you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. In this podcast, we're going to talk about how Russia is using QAnon to manipulate public perception of the war against Ukraine. Pat Robertson and Michelle Bachman's bizarre views of the war. And member of Congress Wendy Rogers getting criticized for some comments she made at a white nationalist convention recently. We also take voicemails. If you want to leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. If you want to send an email instead, the email address is telltalemailbag at gmail.com. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Hi, Owen. Uh, my name's Amy. I'm from Colorado. My phone did a weird disconnect thing, so I'm going to try this again. I'm a teacher, and uh, I don't say the Pledge of Allegiance. I don't feel like it's equitable and all that kind of stuff, nor inclusive. But a lot of my coworkers have been giving me a lot of hard time about it, saying I need to anyway to be a good example for the kids. So I was wondering your thoughts on it. Um, Thank you for what you do. I love your channel. Bye. Set a good example. Why? Here's the problem. I feel like they they view the pledge or saying the pledge as an ideal that people should aspire to. The pledge is creepy and weird and cult-like, isn't it? Other countries don't do this. Other countries do not say the Pledge of Allegiance to their flags in front of their classrooms every morning. This is bizarre. This is really strange stuff. Do not let them pressure you into doing something you're uncomfortable with. Kids shouldn't be forced to, adults shouldn't be forced to. Nobody should be forced to pledge their allegiance to things. In fact, I think that's even a violation of the human rights in the Declaration of Human Rights by the United Nations. That's why you're not actually technically mandated to anymore. That definitely was a violation of our rights. But in the 30s, I think, maybe the 40s, they made it so that it wasn't a requirement, a legal requirement in schools anymore. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses fought that legal battle, as a matter of fact. So anyway, yeah, don't let anybody pressure you into it. That's nonsense. Hey, Owen, Lou in Missouri. Um, just, I mean, all this stuff that went down yesterday with uh, Trump saying that uh, Putin is a genius and very, very savvy. And I'm wondering, in 2024, since Biden is likely not to win his ticket, uh, as it looks today, do you think that we will be on a pro-Russia campaign for 2024, and it'll be democracy versus Russia on the ballot box for America's presidency. Uh, I mean, not subtly, I mean more openly pro-Russia stances. Uh, anyway, I'm just curious about that. Later. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's a good question. In my opinion, yes. In my opinion, I believe that is something that we can expect. In recent years, I, f I feel like I've noticed that the far right is an indication of where the right is headed in these culture wars. The far right and the more moderate right end up merging with each other eventually. Like, there was like a far right conspiracy theory about Joe Biden having dementia and not being aware of who or where he is and all this stuff. Complete nonsense, but eventually, as time went on, that position was adopted by the more moderate members of the Republican Party, eventually. The election fraud stuff was largely 
only adopted by the far right. At first, in the beginning, it was mainly QAnon people and stuff. As time went on, the more moderate people in the Republican Party started to say similar things. And I think that that is the result of a push by some of the more influential people on the right, Tucker Carlson, Ted Cruz, some of the bigger people in the Republican Party parroting this stuff, spreading the ideas. So... I think what we can expect to see is the right-wing candidate, whoever it is, I don't know if it's going to be Trump who wins the midterms uh, or who wins the primaries or not. I'm not sure. But whoever wins the primaries for the general election in 2024, I'm guessing it is going to be a pro-Putin candidate because that seems to be the trend right now. I don't know what we could do to reverse that trend, but that's what I see coming, yeah, for sure. And that is extremely concerning. I guess we're just going to have to sit back and see what happens and work our asses off to try to prevent them from taking the election. Work our butts off to try to campaign phone bank, donate, do whatever we can to try to help the non-conspiracy theorist candidate win. Hey, Owen, what's up, buddy? It's been a while. It's Stein calling from New Jersey. Listen, I just discovered something super, super disturbing. Um, Stephen Anderson of the Faithful Word Baptist Church out in Tempe, Arizona, you know, the one that advocates the death uh, uh, of President Obama and, and, and death penalty for homosexuals and stuff like that. Before I continue, let me let me play the clip. Here's the clip that the that Stein was talking about. I hate Barack Obama. You, you say, well, you just mean you, you don't like what he stands for. No, I hate the person. Oh, no, wait, you mean you just don't like his policy? No, I hate him. Now, I'm going to prove this from the Bible tonight, why I should hate Barack Obama. Why God wants me to hate Barack Obama. Why God hates Barack Obama. He actually prayed for Barack Obama's death. No joke. Stephen Anderson did. And there's another reference to gay people, basically. This is Tommy McMurtry. He is from the same church. He's like one of Stephen Anderson's generals, basically. Uh, this is a more moderate clip. Uh, Steven Anderson really, really goes over the top, and I can't really play any of that stuff on here, but this is what Tommy McMurtry said. Just listen to this. It, it will communicate the sentiment, I think, pretty well. We know there have always been almost. We know they have always been around. We've read the book of Genesis, okay? Nobody's saying they're never around, but there was a time when society, when our country saw them for what they were, and they put them in their place six feet under and unfortunately we have forgotten that in our country yeah so that's uh that's kind of the view that these people hold the nifb is the name of the church the new independent fundamentalist baptist church uh it's kind of like a version of the westboro baptist church just terrible awful people awful people to the core okay now we've established who they are stein lay it on us what do you got his church now has an app that you can install on your phone, okay, to watch its videos, and you could even get it from the app store on your phone. That is scary. That is scary. Absolutely good point. I appreciate you bringing it to my attention. Uh, maybe some people in the audience will just happen across the app and find something in it that is reportable and report it if there is indeed something that violates the terms of service. I don't know. I would have to look and see if it, it 
actually does violate the terms of service. If it does, it shouldn't be on the App Store. I, I appreciate you bringing that to my attention. Hey, I know I have a question uh, about uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. I have seen several videos, um, especially like the Caleb and Sophia videos, and I even checked the JW page if there are some more, but I have seen none which uh, talk about COVID or the coronavirus. Is that like a taboo uh, topic in the JW organization, or do they not want to treat it uh, for kids and it's only an adult topic? I don't know. Maybe you can shine some light on it. Well, bye. Yeah, I appreciate the voicemail. So from my understanding, the question is, why is it that Jehovah's Witnesses don't have much information on their website about COVID? I thought that they did. I... I haven't been to their website in a little while, like to peruse, but I was pretty sure that they did. I'll tell you their position on it. Generally speaking, Jehovah's Witnesses have actually, surprisingly, been really good. They've been really good about COVID. They've encouraged their people to get vaccinated. They've encouraged them to get treatment and stay at home and be careful and wear masks and the whole nine yards. It's been good. I've been happy with their reaction, their response to COVID as an organization except for one way. As most people know, they don't take blood transfusions. They don't take any medicine that's based on blood products in any way, based off of this misinterpretation of a Bible verse. And as a result, they specifically told their members, do not take certain treatments for COVID because they might involve blood or blood fractions. Like, people were getting plasma injections, like... If somebody got COVID, they would pull plasma, they'd donate plasma, and the plasma would have antibodies in it, I think, don't quote me on this. So they would give them a plasma injection from the person who was recovering from COVID, and that would help them along in their process of getting better. That treatment was cut off for Jehovah's Witnesses, not allowed to get it. You, they would rather you die than take a transfusion even if it's not actually blood, it's plasma. Absolutely grotesque and wrong. Jehovah's Witnesses were good on COVID for the most part, except for that. I don't know how many people died because they refused treatment, but there are 8 million Jehovah's Witnesses out there. Out of the 8 million Jehovah's Witnesses in the world, I have to imagine at least some of them refused the COVID treatment and died from it. We will never have the exact numbers because Jehovah's Witnesses organization would have to release it, and that's not something that they want the public knowing. Absolutely grotesque. First email is from Anne. Hi, Owen. I discovered your channel while doing research on cults, a subject that fascinates me. I would like to know if you've done any research on the sovereign citizen movement. It seems... Like, very many QAnon adherents also espouse sovereign citizen beliefs. So my question specifically is, do you believe the sovereign citizens are in a cult, or are they just anarchists? Uh, let me lay this out for you. Here's my opinion on it. Now, I'm not a cult expert. It is just an opinion, but I've been dealing with these subjects for a long time, so I do have a little bit of insight to provide at least. I feel like sovereign citizen is more of a category than a specific group. There are sovereign citizen groups out there that are extremely organized 
and have very specific beliefs about certain things and go in very concerning directions. So I would say there are definitely sovereign citizen groups out there that are cults without a shadow of a doubt. But the sovereign citizen movement is a little bit too broad to specifically define as such. That's my take. Hey Owen, my name is Max. I really enjoy watching your channel and you as well as the other YouTubers who cover similar topics actually help me out of a self-destructive mindset that I gained because I used to be Christian slash Catholic. Keep up the good work. Thank you for this. Anyways, here's my question. I appreciate that. Thank you. Do you think anarchy could work? My friends and I are joking about it on Discord, but then it got me to thinking more critically about it. I want to know your take on if you think anarchy could work. Thanks, and have an awesome day. Hope you and your family are doing well. I was under the impression that anarchy is the destruction of power structures, right? Isn't that like what anarchy is in the most basic, most simple terms? I didn't think that anarchy was like a political structure. I thought anarchy was just removing power structures and then dissipating. Do you mean libertarianism? I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not super well-versed on this kind of corner of politics, but I, I think that th pretty much any political system would work, but how much human suffering would there be in the process? Capitalism is working in the United States. We're surviving. We're here, we're alive, we're making money, we're doing our thing. How many people are suffering because we're under a system that is rigid, refuses to change, and has way too many holes in it? Way too many problems. A lot. It's a lot of suffering. Would it be better under a communist system? I don't know. I don't think so. If I had to choose between capitalism and communism right now, I think I would probably choose capitalism but it would largely depend on the society that implemented it and how it was implemented and things like that. So it's really hard to tell. If you mean libertarianism, I think libertarianism would work as well as any other political system, um, but there would certainly be a lot of suffering, and I would venture to guess it would most likely be more suffering than we currently have in our existing system. But who knows? I mean, there's no way to know for sure. Uh, maybe a capitalist a communist and an anarchist and a libertarian in the comments will get together and make a joke out of each other and then argue with each other and maybe we can see the product of that argument that could be interesting next we're going to talk about how russia is using QAnon to manipulate public perception of the war against ukraine give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. first story I wanted to talk about is about a guy named Johnny Enlow, but he's not the only one involved in this. The story really is how Russia is using QAnon to manipulate public perception of the war against Ukraine. I've noticed some really weird concerning stuff coming out of QAnon circles recently, so I wanted to take a look at what some of the biggest players in the QAnon game are saying about our current situation. One of the top people in the QAnon movement, one of the most recognizable faces, 
is Johnny Enlow. He's almost like the linchpin between Christianity and QAnon in a lot of ways. So let's watch this clip. This is Johnny Enlow on Steve Schultz's channel. He's talking about Vladimir Putin. So when we enter the video, that's who he's referring to. I do think he has been motivated strongly by the Holy Spirit and the assignment on his life. He's a key chess player of God. If I had to choose Russian, I shouldn't say that because that'll get me in a lot of trouble. <laughs> be careful now. Like, he shouldn't be worried about getting in trouble, right? That should be, like, on the bottom of his list. He should be worried about what's moral. And this guy is about to imply or outright say that he would rather be a Russian than a United States citizen, seemingly. How did, how did a movement in the United States of supposed self-proclaimed patriots find themselves here? How did this happen? What's called our government now yeah. is Russia's government. I would take that because if you actually go what they're saying and what they're for and for the freedom of their people and proper patriotism and, and, and uh, family. I'm sorry. Wait a second. So he, he's saying he would rather live in Russia. He, if he had to pick between Russia's government and the U.S. government, he would pick Russia. We are in a deep, dark hole as a country right now. And what was that about the Russian government being for freedom? What a funny thing to say as massive amounts of people are being arrested in Russia right now for protesting the war peacefully, for being out on the sidewalk in solidarity with each other who are standing against the Ukrainian war. And he is out here saying, as they're getting arrested, dude is saying Russia is pro-freedom? What bubble does this guy live in? And uh, family and serving God. That, those are things coming out. People don't know that you have to be able to get a hold of the messaging that's coming from Putin and the government there. That's what they want. They're not trying to bring their people into bondage. They're trying to bring them into freedom. I find it so interesting that he says they're trying to bring their people out of bondage and into freedom by restricting what they're allowed to do, by forcing them to be a member of the church, by forcing them to not participate in rallies, like protest rallies and things like that. I'm trying to remember the phrase from the book 1984 by George Orwell. What is it? Truth is, uh, lies are truth. Everything is reversed from what, it's from what it actually is. Everything is flipped on its head. That is the premise behind the book 1984, and that's basically what this guy is outlining for us. Putin is trying to free people by forcing them to be a member of the church or forcing them to not protest against the war. He's, he's giving them more freedom by taking their freedoms away, directly removing freedoms from them. They want people to serve and worship God. Are they doing it all right and how they go about it? No. But as opposed to our, in quote, present uh, uh, government leadership, who's trying to enslave us, mm -hmm. put us on, no telling what they would do if there was not the voice of Trump on the side saying what he's saying and everything else. But if you consider... Uh, uh, the fact that they have totally bought into the New World Order and the agenda to depopulate and allowing Fauci to have this key key place. If you go, where is it more dangerous to be a citizen of? It is, if you just looked at it face value, not know what God's doing behind the scene, it's much more dangerous to be a citizen 
in this country under who we have in our government, as opposed really? to Magog and Gog, what people are trying to uh, uh, um, say over there. Okay, that's complete nonsense. He's saying that it's more dangerous to be a citizen of this country. I didn't overlook his mention of Gog and Magog, though. That's like evangelical bible prophecy where gog of magog is going to battle with god or something like that i don't even remember now um in first chronicles 5 4 gog is identified as a descendant of the prophet joel and in ezekiel 38 and 39 he's the chief prince of the tribes of meshka and tubal in the land of magog who is called upon by god to conquer the land of israel it all routes back to this old school Bible prophecy about the end of the world, you know, end times predictions and all of that stuff. So anytime you hear one of these evangelicals talking about Gog of Magog, they're referring to end times prophecies. And as a matter of fact, George Bush, actually, uh, George Bush Jr., when he was going around trying to get support for the Iraq war internationally, he went to speak with Jacques Chirac, the French prime minister at the time, I think. And according to Jacques Chirac, he mentioned Gog of Magog. He, uh, George Bush said that he, he wanted to go over there because Gog of Magog something or other. The reasons for going over there were religious in George Bush's mind. That is concerning. And that was 20 years ago. Look where we are now. Religion is way more intertwined with society and government in the United States now than it was 20 years ago. This is a guy, and I literally listened to his video years ago, speaking of Putin, where he said, the world is run, the entire world is run by Lucifer Luciferian, and I am the only one fighting the Antichrist. This was before Trump. There you go. Putin was saying years ago, that he's fighting the Luciferian evildoers, uh, the demons, and all that stuff. Putin has been harnessing QAnon and conspiracy theories to garner support for the war. Recently. I mean, what Johnny Enlow is talking about here, this was old, like years ago that he's referring to. Putin has recently been trying to use election fraud claims and QAnon and conspiracies in the Republican Party to garner support for the war in Ukraine. That's the situation that we're in right now. He literally has thought himself for years as being the only one fighting the Antichrist and that he has seen what's what's going on. It's with the, the Clinton family, the Obama family, the Biden family enmeshed to unbelievable degrees. And you'll see Nancy Pelosi Again, like I said, her son been involved in uh, and presently on the board of major things there. There has been money laundering that's taking place, human trafficking. It ties into all the worst of the worst that any of you have been hearing about over the last couple of years. And this base of operations, it, this is kind of a surprise we're hearing how it just like it's not just that it was marginally bad, but really epicenter for even future plans of of this global domination through the new world order, which to remind those of you who have never heard anything about it, it's, it's, it's the, the end game you want to know about is depopulation of planet earth by 90%. He's been saying a lot of this stuff for a long time. And I've covered a lot of these conspiracy claims in the past. 
it's all nonsense from the ground up for the record if you're curious you can look at my history my video history on johnny enlow because i did recently even cover a lot of these claims specifically on my main channel the last video i released about him i think it was on humpty dumpty institute or something like that i go through a lot of this stuff but he's making a specific claim here about the idea that world leaders want to depopulate the earth by 90 percent why would they want to do that what would the end goal be in that seriously there is no good reason for that governments need the population to be at least at replacement level as people get older and they age out of the workforce 50 60 70 year old people are getting a little too old to work and they leave their jobs they need a new person to step in and fill that role if they don't the economy is going to suffer terribly as a result there's going to be massive economic shrinkage because the population isn't at least at replacement level so what he's saying here about depopulation the the goal of the illuminati is depopulation it's nonsense it doesn't even make logical sense planet earth by 90 percent where there is you know their ideal is really 500 million very obedient transhumanist people that they've had enough vaccines vaccines and upgrades and combined with the 5g you had to fit the 5g in there didn't he this this whole idea about 5g being evil he didn't quite know how it fit in his plans or how it fit into his conspiracy theories but he worked it in there somewhere and with the 5g where they have they're, they're really semi-robots and they are there at the service of now, those are called cyborgs by the by they're at the service of these elite illuminatis uh, that run run the planet and if you think that sounds like hopefully all of you have heard enough now to know this is not uh, conspiracy theory this is conspiracy fact you know listening to this just coming in blind and not knowing anything about the beliefs it sounds completely unhinged unfortunately the type of people who listen to Johnny Enlow and Steve Schultz and people like that, they're already primed to buy what he's selling. They're already primed to believe it, to accept it in the first place. And honestly, I, I have to say I've been thinking about this for a while. I think part of the reason, in large part, the reason that we are where we are today with half the Republican Party being conspiracy theorists, or well over half probably, I think we're here because the Russian government has been pushing troll farms on social media, trying to get people to be more conspiratorial and believe more and more crazy things. I honestly think that that's a large part of it. If that's not a large part of it, I don't know what happened to the Republican Party otherwise, really. It has gone so far off into la-la land at this point. It is, it's hard to get your mind around where they are as compared to where they were pre-2016. So that was Johnny Enlow, okay? Like I said, he's one of the leading QAnon pastors in the movement. He's one of the linchpins that links Christianity and QAnon together. So what are other QAnoners saying? This person is Delora O'Brien. I don't think I've talked about her on my channels before, but she is also in the movement heavily, the QAnon movement. This video came out early March 2022, 
So it's recent, and it was after the invasion, the full-blown invasion. Check this clip out. I'm not on Putin's side. I bet there's going to be a but after that, isn't there? I'm not on, on Zelensky's side. I'm not on Trump's side. I'm on God's side. God's side is the side of truth. It just so happens that right now, our President Trump is on the side of God. Also, believe it or not, so is Putin. There it is. There is the there is the but. There's the hedging. I'm not on Putin's side. I'm on God's side, and Putin is on God's side with me. This is a full-blown QAnoner, heavily involved in the QAnon movement, and this is the kind of thing that I'm hearing coming out of that movement right now. Right before I came on here, this is what was sent to me. A Russian soldier. Okay, hang on. Who sent this to you? I just, I really want to figure out, like, where this came from. Is this an anonymous source? Somebody sent you an email containing this information or this script or, or whatever else, and you're just bringing it out here and putting it up for everybody to hear? Like, without knowing who it came from at all? For all you know, it could have come from the Clintons. They're trying to control your mind or something. A Russian soldier. I even have his name, and I, I can't give it. I'm sorry. I can't. Just research it. I'm sure it'll start coming out. Um, searching for bioweapons. There was a him and a, a, a few of his of the other soldiers a, a searching for bioweapons in central Ukraine. Stumbled upon a child den. Dimly lit filthy bunker. See, this all ties into the conspiracy theories that Putin has been trying to build up as a pretext for the war in the first place. I had no idea what pretext he was going to use before he went in. I didn't know what he was going to tell his people, what methods he would use, what justifications he would try to use to justify this massive atrocity. Not long after he went in, I guess it turns out he had been telling his people for like who knows how long that he was trying to cleanse Ukraine of Nazism. Absolutely ridiculous. There is no basis to claim that, that the place is full of Nazis like that. And when I say full of Nazis, what I mean is Russian soldiers were under the impression that 90% of the leadership, 90% of the military, it was all made up of Nazis. They were all in control, and they were practically holding the populace hostage. Come to find out, when Russia arrives there, those claims didn't hold up, and the people didn't want them there. The people wanted Russia to go home. Russia absolutely has an uphill battle if they're going to try to hold that territory. Capturing it alone is going to be a nightmare. But holding it, I absolutely can't see that happening. The people are not on his side. It's not going to happen. But the point behind all of this is he's been trying to build pretexts and justifications for the war. And that was his original justification. His claim was that the entire country was made up of Nazis, or the entire leadership of the country. And when nobody really bought that, he started spreading it around as a conspiracy theory. He started spreading it around QAnon circles. And here we are, it's reached this woman right here. Fits perfectly right in with already existing QAnon belief systems. This whole 
den that she's talking about here? A hundred young boys and girls. It didn't exist. It never happened. No evidence for that. She won't name any kind of source. Convenient, isn't it? That there's absolutely no evidence for what you're claiming, but it so perfectly fits in with your worldview. He said they were terrified, huddled together, and when the flashlights went on them, their eyes were dilated because they've been in the dark so long. It's nonsense. It's absolutely not true. But who needs evidence, right? Who needs evidence? Just say whatever you want. Come out and say whatever you want. Evidence is irrelevant and unnecessary. This next clip is from late February 2022. This is when the war was just starting to rev up. Nobody really had a clear bead on the narrative yet. The Trump supporters, the QAnoners, they didn't really know what they should be thinking about Ukraine yet. So here is what this same person, Delora O'Brien, this is what she said leading up to the war in Ukraine, leading up to the narrative finally being formed out by, you know, the big QAnon leaders and by Trump and others. Listen to her take on it. What we're seeing is 100% fabricated. Okay. I think it's really interesting that she says it was fabricated like that. Um, that is exactly what I was seeing out of the Patriots.win, which, which is basically the old the Donald subreddit. This is the exact narrative I was seeing out of there. It was split. Half the people at the website seemed to think it was completely fabricated. There was no war happening. It was nonsense. And the other half seemed to side with Putin and say he was right to do this and stuff like that. I looked through there for a while. I didn't see anybody who was rooting for the Ukrainians at all on the old Donald subreddit. So this is the narrative that I've been seeing on that website up to now. She's parroting that. 100% fabricated. Okay? Now, obviously, if... Um, if Pelosi and all these people are for Ukraine, duh, you will, you go opposite. Yeah. That's just, that's common just sense. common, common sense. sense. Okay. That should tell you all you need to know about their viewpoints right there. If the mainstream media, if Pelosi, if the people that I hate are in favor of this, then I should be against it by default. This is a classic error I see all the time. A lot of people don't recognize the difference between not believing that a God exists and actively believing that a God does not exist. There is a difference. Just because something is not true does not mean that that thing is false. It's a logical error. And that's the exact logical error that this woman is making right now. These people agree with this or these people want this to happen. By default, I have to specifically want that to not happen. I have to specifically believe contrary to what they believe. This is a classic hate your enemy position. This is an us versus them mentality. This is the heart of the own the libs mentality. Hate your enemy at any cost. Next clip I wanted to watch is with Stu Peters. This is early March 2022. Check this clip out. The media is complicit in this war, and everyone that's uh, propping up Ukraine, we're sending over all these weapons, 
these people are the ones that's going to have the blood on their hands of, of these Ukrainians who who really, you know, can't fight Russia. They don't they don't have the might to fight Russia. You know, don't get this mixed up. Russia went into a sovereign country that had their own government set up and had their own trade deals and their own everything. Russia went in and attacked them for seemingly no reason. Really, the reason is Putin was obsessed with reuniting the USSR. And the reason I say that is because Putin actually wrote this, like, what, 11-page essay or something about how the USSR's breakup was the worst thing to ever happen in the 20th century. I can think of a few things a little bit worse than that, personally, but I digress. He wrote this whole thing about how Ukraine belongs with Russia, they should own it, it should be a part of Russia, and all this crazy unhinged stuff. I mean, you can look this letter up, like this essay that he wrote, you can look it up. It's out there. That is why the attack happened, because he's obsessed with owning Ukraine. The fact that they are a sovereign nation should be all we need to know, to stand behind them. They shouldn't have a dictator's will imposed upon them. They don't, they don't have the might to fight Russia. You know, it's like... Contrary to popular belief, they seem to have the might to fight Russia, by the way. They seem to be holding their own. They seem to be standing up to them. I don't know how long that's going to last. As a matter of fact, when this clip comes out, who knows? Maybe Ukraine has already fallen to Russia. Either way, they put up one hell of a fight. An incredibly impressive fight. Russia, you know, it's like, you know, how we used to do when we were kids... You push the smaller kid up and try to, you know, boast him up to go fight the big guy. And then he get. Uh, that's not what happened. Get the smaller kid to go fight the big guy. That's not what happened. The big guy came in and punched the kid in the face. That's actually what happened. The little kid did not attack anybody. The little kid is defending himself as best he can. And then he get then he end up getting the crap beat out of him. It's the same thing we're doing with Ukraine right now. The more weapons we send them, the more they're going to feel emboldened to fight Russia, and the more that um, Russia's going to stomp them. See, this narrative is so obnoxious and concerning. The idea that it's hopeless and that the Ukraine should just give up and all this stuff, it's so heartbreakingly sad that we have people in the United States that are siding with Russia like this. I have to wonder how much they're being paid. I have to wonder if that is really at the heart of why they're defending Russia right now. There really is no defense for this. It's grotesque. Not only are they not physically capable or armed well enough. That's inaccurate, by the way. They are armed to the teeth. Now, whether or not they have enough people to handle the armaments that they have, that's up in the air. I don't know. Time will tell. This is simply untrue. What? Stu Peters is saying here to fight physically against Russia, but their heart isn't in it because they don't want to fight Russia. Once again, untrue. You're right. They don't want to fight Russia. But guess what? Russia brought the fight to them. They are on their own land in their own territory and they are fighting for their lives. They know if they stop fighting, there is no more Ukraine. They seem to be right now some of the most motivated people I've ever seen in my life. These people have been enlisted and told that this is what they're going to do, and it's against their beliefs. They don't want to do this. We can't forget that Russia and Ukraine is a hodgepodge. Ukraine was settled 400 years ago, these arbitrary borders that were set up after the color revolution and Vladimir Lenin. A lot of the people that settled in this uninhabited area of Ukraine just want to be Russia. They want to be Russians. They don't want to be Ukraine, and they like Russia. 
That's an interesting argument. So Stu Peters here is telling us that most of Ukraine wants to be Russia. That's what he's telling us, right? There was polling in Ukraine to find out how liked Zelensky is. People wonder how they do that in a war zone. It actually turns out that the majority of the time, Ukraine isn't a war zone, really. It's not like being bombarded 24-7. There aren't constant incursions and stuff like that. There are still trucks coming in delivering food and medicine. There, are, Everybody's still going to work and doing their thing most of the time. That's how a lot of active war zones are. People are still going around doing their thing, their day-to-day -day lives. But at night, Russia has been trying to push in and, and force their way in to try to take territory. Anyways, the point is, life continues on with the exception of the few minutes, the few hours when Russia is pushing and trying to take territory. So they actually ran a poll. They went around and talked to people and found that Zelensky's approval rating is through the roof now. So the source for this poll is Rating Sociological Group. I don't actually know this polling source, so take it with a grain of salt, but I've seen these polling numbers elsewhere other than this source. But it used to be around 32% approved, 65% disapproved of Zelensky. Now that all of this has gone down, 91% approve, 6% disapprove. He is broadly liked in Ukraine. He is one of the most loved leaders in the country, in the country's history, uh, ever. He is incredibly loved. So I think that claim from Stu Peters is rich. Ukraine was settled 400 years ago, these arbitrary borders that were set up after the color revolution and Vladimir Lenin, a lot of the people that settled in this uninhabited area of Ukraine just want to be Russia. Nonsense. Absolute nonsense. That is not true. Certainly not now that Russia has full-blown attacked. They don't want to be part of it now that they've been invaded, uh, at the very least. There was one more claim at the end here I wanted to get to. Is he really this evil person that we make him out to be? He's been the boogeyman for the DNC. Look, Russia hacked us. No, the DNC hacked us. What? The DNC hacked us? What are you talking about? We actually know exactly how Russia hacked us. There's something called spear phishing, okay? There, there are phishing attacks and then there are spear phishing attacks. This is like terms that you deal with a lot if you're in the software development industry or, or in IT security or whatever else. And I was a software engineer for six years. When somebody is running a phishing campaign, they will basically send out a bunch of emails, for example. It doesn't have to go down like this. I'm just describing one of the ways this happens. They'll send out a bunch of emails, and they will model the email to look like it's from Apple or look like it's from Gmail or Google or whatever else, right? And they will change the links to go to their website. So they will buy the domain name G0OGLE.com or something like that. They will make it really, really close to actual Google.com or Apple.com. They'll even use other characters, like odd characters, that are really hard to tell apart from actual letters. And they will put a link to that website in the email. So when you click sign in on the email, like sign into my account, it'll bring you to their website that is modeled to look exactly like the Apple website or the Google sign-in website or something. You type in your username and your password, 
and then they redirect you to the actual sign-in page. But now they have your login information. When people run phishing campaigns, they'll send these emails out to like as many email addresses as they can find. As many as they can find. They have hacked databases full of random people's email addresses that you can buy. Like you can buy access to these email lists. So they'll send out these emails to everybody and maybe only 10% of them have an Apple account. And maybe only 10% of those people will fall for it and actually click the button and type their information in. Hell, maybe 1% will fall for it. If you send out 500,000 emails or a million emails to different people, you just got thousands of people to give you their Apple sign-in information, which contains your credit card information and all kinds of other stuff. That's how phishing works. Spear phishing is when you do it to one specific person intentionally. And that is how the DNC got hacked. Podesta's emails, Anthony Podesta, I think, he's like the campaign manager for Hillary Clinton. There was a Russian spear phishing campaign against him. They were sending him emails in that exact fashion, and he fell for it. He clicked a link in an email, which, by the way, you should never do. Doesn't matter who the email is from. Never click a link in an email. Go to their website directly, type it into the URL, and sign in from there. He clicked a link in an email, typed in his login information. Guccifer 2.0, I think, was the person who originally hacked it, who was a Russian asset. They logged into his email and downloaded it all, sent it to the Russian government, who then sent it to WikiLeaks. Slight correction. Guccifer 2.0 was a Russian asset that famously leaked information directly to Roger Stone. I'm not sure if the Podesta emails went through Guccifer or if it was another leak, but the point is, Russia has had their hands in data leaks and hacks for years now. Don't click links in emails. Ever. That's how it all played out. So I'm really not sure what Stu Peters is saying here. Look, Russia hacked us. No, the DNC hacked us. No, the DNC was hacked by Russia. What are you even talking about? The DNC hacked us. None of this makes any sense. None of it is true. But if he says it enough times, people believe it. That is the problem. People believe it. Next, we're going to talk about Pat Robertson and Michelle Bachman's bizarre views of the war in Ukraine. Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Next story I wanted to talk about is about Pat Robertson. He is incredibly famous in the evangelical community. Pat Robertson has been a televangelist since I think the 1970s. There was a network called Christian Broadcasting Network. I think it's still around and he was on the Christian Broadcasting Network like forever ago and it was about to close. It didn't have the money to stay open back in the day. I, I'm, I'm talking 50 years ago. So Pat Robertson held a fundraiser that he called the 700 Club. He was trying to get enough donations to keep the doors open to Christian Broadcasting Network. And that fundraiser, the 700 Club, it continued on after. He succeeded. He got enough donations, kept the doors to CBN open, and he continued on with his show, the 700 Club, to, to this day. 
I think he retired fairly recently, and I, I believe his son took over. Not 100% on that, but he makes the occasional appearance. So I wanted to introduce you to him. If you don't remember who he is, if you haven't seen a clip by him before, let me show you the kind of things that he talks about. This is mid-October 2020. This is right before the 2020 election, right before Biden won. Check this out. There's going to be a war. Ezekiel 38 is going to be the next thing down the line, then a time of peace, then maybe the end. But nobody knows the day or the hour when the Lord's going to come back. He said the angels don't know it. Ooh, sounds like he's getting people pumped up for the end, quote unquote. Pat Robertson has been making end of the world predictions since he got on TV. And we're going to cover some of those in a few minutes. So none of this is new. But he continues to stick his foot in his mouth and do them over and over and over again anyways. Keep listening. And only the Father knows it. So I'm not saying this is the second coming, but I am saying there are things that people have thought <clears throat> would be during a millennial time with the coming of Jesus that are going to happen in our lifetime. So I think what he's saying here is since we're close to the millennium marker, since it's been like 2,000 years or so since Jesus was on Earth, he thinks that's an indication that Jesus will return soon, as if God would even work on our timelines. Just nonsense. And uh, the next thing is the election that's coming up in just a few weeks, at which time, according to what I believe the Lord told me, the president is going to be reelected. I'm, I'm, I'm saying by all means, get out and vote. Wow, that sounds like a prophecy to me. God gave Pat Robertson a prophecy that Donald Trump is going to win the election. How about that? Saying by all means, get out and vote. Vote for whoever you want to vote for, but by all means, let your voice be heard. But it's going to lead to civil unrest of great proportion, then a war against Israel and so forth and so on. So I guess he's saying Trump is going to win the election. People are going to be up in arms about that, and it's going to lead to civil disobedience, and then somehow that is going to lead to Israel's destruction or something like that. Here's the thing about Pat Robertson's view on the end. He believes that Israel has to be destroyed for the end to come. He thinks that's a prerequisite. That'll come into play in a minute. Like I said, this is not the first time this guy has made these end-of-the-world predictions. All the way back in 1980, the dude was making predictions about the end of the world. Check this clip out. 1980. This is Pat Robertson on the 700 Club program. Why is Israel so important? I mean, what is it about this little bitty country that sits right down in the middle of like, you know, you can't hardly find, they can't even put the name on it, to put it out in the ocean. What makes it so important? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing makes it important. It's another country in the world. That's it. Now, God has called this in the Bible the navel of the earth. Now, a navel is sort of like the place where a child is attached to its mother, and God used this as the place where he entered into human history. And that's why all the world, the United Nations and the nations of the earth, one day are going to come and move against Israel. There's the claim. He believes that the nations of the earth, including the United Nations apparently, are going to move against Israel. That's when we'll know the end is here, right? In 19, well, I'd give it 1982, but date setting is dangerous. I'd say within the next couple of years, we're going to see a war there. The next major war to be fought in the world is going to be right here. 
Was he right? Of course not. Of course he wasn't right. Wow, that claim was pretty on the nose, too. I love it. So he made a recent prediction. He's been doing it since the 80s. Hell, probably the 70s. And he made another one. Late February 2022. This is his latest, not prediction, I'm sorry, wrong word. His latest prophecy from God. Listen to this. I think you can say, well, Putin's out of his mind. Yes, maybe so. But at the same time, he's being compelled by God. He went into the Ukraine, but that wasn't his goal. His goal was to move against Israel ultimately. And God is getting ready to do something amazing. How does he know that? How does he know that Putin's goal was to move against Israel? And why would he? Like, what would the motivation be for that? There doesn't have to be any motivation for it. In Pat's eyes, he believes God is going to put it in his heart and make him do it, whether there's motivation or not. There isn't. In Putin's mind, he did have reason to go into Ukraine. He has this weird obsession with it, like he thinks it belongs as part of Russia and stuff like that. Even though it's its own sovereign nation, he still wanted to own it. That was his motivation for Ukraine. What is his motivation for Israel? What is the motivation here? And that will be fulfilled. And what Putin is doing by moving as he is to set up uh, Ukraine as, as a uh, staging ground for one of the armies, and then across is, is Erdogan at Turkey, and, and you've got between them that little Dardanelles area, and it's going to happen. Wait, so he's saying that there's he's going to use Ukraine as a staging area? So if you're looking at the screen here, what we've got, we've got Israel all the way down here, right? And this is down here next to Egypt and Jordan and Iraq and Syria and stuff. And Turkey stands between Israel and the Black Sea, which stands between Israel and Russia. Ukraine would not be a useful staging area a jumping off point, like to send troops in to Israel. Putin is already having trouble maintaining supply lines and they're not, they're like bordering each other, Ukraine and Russia are, and he's having trouble maintaining supply lines. You think that he could maintain supply lines between Ukraine and Israel? Using Ukraine as a staging point to take Israel logistically is nonsense. But aside from that, like I said, there is absolutely no motivation or interest in him going after Israel. He just has to go after Israel for this to be the end of the world, which Pat Robertson seems to be obsessed with believing. He needs this to be the end of the world. Like I said, dude's been doing end times prophecies since the 70s and the 80s. And here we are, 2022, and he's still laying them down. So I just say... That is what's coming up. Is Putin crazy? Is he mad? Well, perhaps. But God says, I'm going to put hooks in your jaws and I'm going to draw you into this battle, whether you like it or not. And he's being compelled after the move into the Ukraine. He's being compelled to move again to get a land bridge and then across the Dardanelles with Turkey and watch what's going to happen next. You read your Bible because it's coming to pass. Wow, dude, that is something else. This guy absolutely obsesses over the strangest things. 
it's not just end times predictions though that is not where the the oddness ends with pat robertson it gets weirder i'll take the end times predictions they are honestly hilarious but listen to some of the other stuff he says this one is from 2013. You know I what mean, they do in uh, San Francisco, some of the gay community, they, they want to get people. So if they've got the stuff. Uh, when he says when they've got the stuff, he's talking about HIV. So he's he's saying the gay community in like California, if they have HIV, then. They'll have a ring, you shake hands and the ring's got a little thing where you cut your finger. Really? No, no. What is he talking about? Where did this even come from? He's claiming that the gay community wears rings that will cut people's finger when they shake their hand? No, that is completely fabricated out of the ether. It's nonsense. And what's more, it's harmful nonsense, damaging nonsense. But this is the kind of conspiracy theory that Pat Robertson engages in. It's the kind of conspiracy theory that he's been engaging in since the beginning. Cut your finger? Really? Yeah, really. No. I mean, it's that kind of vicious stuff, which would be the equivalent of murder. Yeah. Probably, if somebody actually did do that, they would most likely be charged with a crime like that. Yeah, most likely. Has that happened? Has anybody been charged? No, of course not, because it was fabricated. I don't know who made this up, but it was somebody. Was it Pat? Was it somebody on his staff? Was it sent in a chain email from his loving Christian family members? Who knows where this came from? But this is the kind of conspiracy theory that Pat passes around when he's not passing around end times predictions, or prophecies. When he's not passing around end times prophecies. That's not where the strangeness ends. This one's from 2014. Listen to this. My son heard sounds that sent painful shockwaves through his body as I was praying for him, and I called on the name of Jesus. My son said it felt like something hit him very hard in the stomach. Okay, so I guess this caller or emailer or whatever is saying that her son trembles at the name of Jesus, heard sounds that sent painful shockwaves through his body when he heard the name Jesus. Uh... Okay. I know this is not of God. He's a Christian. Can Christians be attacked by demons? Uh, he could be attacked by demons and he might be uh, oppressed or possessed by demons. I don't know anything about you. I don't know his faith. I don't know his, but it sounds like that child has there's something in the influence and uh, you need to get somebody with you who understands the spiritual dimension and doing uh, spiritual warfare. but. You don't want some quack in there that's casting out non-existent demons. Isn't that everybody who tries to cast out demons? They are all quacks because demons aren't real. But Pat buys it. He bought it. I, if I didn't know better, I would say that, that a troll sent that message just to see how he would react to it. But at the same time, you need to look back. And I, if I were going to look back at your family, what in your family? Do you have anybody involved in the occult, somebody in witchcraft or tarot cards or psychic things? Uh, has there something been there that uh, you don't know about, some grandparent, great-grandparent or something? Look into the family tree and then get some people in there and cast this stuff out. Wow, okay, so apparently your ancestors can affect your level of spirituality. This is news to me. I didn't know that. Pat Robertson actually subscribes to like this weird belief system within Christianity 
that's actually shared with Jehovah's Witnesses. I believed this stuff too for a while. Demons can possess physical objects, and they can possess people too, to some degree, for Jehovah's Witnesses. It's more influence people than possess them for Jehovah's Witnesses, but Pat seems to believe they can full-blown possess people. It leads to some really weird logical conclusions. For example, as a Jehovah's Witness, I was specifically instructed to be careful about what I buy from yard sales. In my congregation anyways, it differs from congregation to congregation, we were discouraged from buying things from yard sales at all. Because a demon could be attached to it for all you know. That new Super Nintendo game you just got from your buddy down the street? might have a demon attached, you don't know. Pat Robertson subscribes to that kind of superstition. Pat Robertson believes that demons attach to everyday objects all the time, and you have to be wary about what you bring into your house. So he said all kinds of weird stuff about that. It's been the source of an endless number of memes. So that's Pat Robertson's view on things. I just did a segment on how Russia is influencing conspiracy theorists through QAnon and other avenues. I wanted to talk about how mainstream Christianity and how mainstream Republicans view the whole situation with Ukraine. Pat Robertson is a pretty good example of a more mainstream Christian, a more mainstream televangelist, and their viewpoint on the Ukrainian war. It seems to me that Pat Robertson is kind of viewing it as like an end times thing, but I wanted to take a look at how Michelle Bachman, ex-member of Congress, views the war with Ukraine. So let's take a look at Michelle Bachman's viewpoint on the Ukrainian war before it actually started. Leading up to the war, Putin hadn't actually invaded quite yet. He was obviously about to. And he said, we're pulling troops back. But the intelligence communities across the world were saying the best indication for Russia's intentions are their actions. They are not pulling troops back. They're actually building field hospitals now. So the, the entire world was looking at the situation and saying, we believe Russia is going to be going in. We believe that they're going to invade. While that's happening, while the rest of the world is saying that, Michelle Bachman says this. This smelled like the biggest fake I had ever seen from the very beginning. When the news media got their little talking points and they had to start talking about this, it all sounded fake. And now we're finding that everybody folded their cards, they're gonna go home. That's not a war, this is a fake. This was a fake, that's my opinion. Uh, that never happened. Nobody ever folded their cards and went home. No, that wouldn't be a war if that were the case. I'll tell you what the fake is. Whatever source she's getting her information from, that's the fake. Because within 24 hours, maybe, Russia did full-blown invade. There was a full-blown invasion after that point. Okay? So what's Michelle Bachman have to say about it now? What's her response now that she's been proven unequivocally wrong in her initial assessment? Does she back out and say, you know, guy, I'm sorry. You know, you're right. I was wrong in this situation. I apologize. I should have been more careful about my words. They really did invade. That's my bad. Is that what she said? Of course not. Listen to this. February 28th, 2022. This is her response to the full-blown invasion. This isn't going to impact us. 
on energy production or anything like that? That's incorrect. It actually will affect us on energy production and things like that. It's definitely going to make gas prices skyrocket since Russia is invading. Let me frame it this way. Let's say we were on good terms with Russia and we continued trade with them. So Ukraine exports the most sunflower seeds globally. I get it. Sunflower seeds may not be that relevant to your everyday life. But how about this? Second largest exporter of iron or non-alloy steel. Sixth largest exporter of vegetable planting materials. Ninth largest exporter of ferro-alloys, which is... Uh, Pharaoh means iron, so I, I'm assuming that's iron alloys. Among other things, Ukraine exports a ton of stuff. Barley and wheat and all kinds of stuff. Even if we were on good terms with Russia, what they're doing right now is going to make a mess of the global trade system that we have right now. It's going to make a massive mess out of it. So I beg to differ, Michelle, that this wouldn't affect us. This isn't going to impact us on energy production or anything like that? Not true. How were you a sitting congressman and not understand something so basic? How were you a member of Congress for, what, seven years, I think, or eight years? How long? She was a congressman from 2007 to 2015. Four terms, eight years, she was a congressman. And she didn't think this through for a second, did she? How did she even win? How, how do we have people at the top who can't think critically, who can't think things through logically and say something so vapid and vacuous, devoid of intelligent thought? How did we get here? So why are we doing it? That's what you have to ask. What, what's the question? What's the reason why they're getting us in? And my feeling initially is that this seems like an effort to distract the United States to pull our, because wars are extremely expensive. They're exhausting and they're extremely expensive. Yep. Agreed. I absolutely agree. But what's she saying? She's saying that it's a distraction, that like the United States is trying to distract people by having Russia go to war with Ukraine. What? A distraction from what, for one thing? And for another thing, why? What are the means, motive, and opportunity for this alleged distraction? This is complete nonsense. And it looked like this was an effort to pull money and time and resources and our eyeballs to focus on Russia and Ukraine. I don't think that's the main event. I think this is a, a distraction for us to go in that direction. I, I truly think this Biden administration is evil. I think the people who are calling the shots are evil. She thinks the Biden administration is evil. Isn't that interesting? Her main man, Donald Trump, is all good and altruistic and has everybody's best intentions at heart. And that means anybody who Donald Trump labels an enemy must be the exact opposite. It's almost like a religious way of viewing things. Now, don't, don't mistake what I'm saying here. It doesn't have to be religious to be a cult. There are a ton of non-religious cults out there. I believe Michelle Bachman is in a cult, the Trump cult, and I believe that it has taken on religious overtones at this point. She seems to view things in good and evil, blacks and whites, entirely. Donald Trump and everything that he does is the ultimate good, 
and anybody that he hates is the ultimate evil. If you if you look, and I'm not the first one to say it, uh, if you look from the time of the inauguration until now, every move they've made has been for the destruction of the United States. They they don't have any policies. Mm-hmm. What is she talking about? Every move that they've made, I can only assume she's talking about the Democratic Party, the Biden administration, uh, Joe Biden himself, I, I guess. I mean, I'm assuming. What moves have they made that were intended to destroy America? That have built up the United States. Their policies have destroyed the United States in almost every way. I need a little more than that. You can say in almost every way, but you're going to have to give me more specifics. After looking at all that, and after looking at the complete and utter worst military failure in American history in August in Afghanistan. Uh, This is just another culture war propaganda issue. This is nothing more than an attempt to destroy Biden's reputation. Um, For the record, the withdrawal from Afghanistan would have been ugly no matter who did it. First of all. And second, I'm just glad we're out. I'm just glad we're out. And third, it wasn't as bad as they make it out to be. She said it was like the biggest disaster. And what what was it she said about it? After looking at the complete and utter worst military failure in American history in August in Afghanistan. Uh, That's a tall claim. I simply disagree, madam. That's just another link in the chain that is the propaganda war. That's just one more piece of propaganda that she's pushing down her listeners' throats. Why would anyone trust this administration to understand anything? Our intel agencies have had one intelligence lapse and failure after another. Once again, completely untrue, especially when it comes to the Russia-Ukraine issue. The intelligence agencies have actually been phenomenally good. Like, really good. They went through this process of rapidly declassifying information as they received it to effectively take the wind right out of the sails of Putin. He was hiring actors to act in this fake piece of propaganda where people were crying and wailing and saying, oh, I lost my family members because they were hurt by Ukrainian evildoers and all this stuff. It was complete nonsense. It never happened. So the intelligence community catches wind that Russia's about to release this, that they're hiring actors to act in it. So they declassify it. They tell the world what Russia's plans are. Suddenly, if Russia releases that, it's a lot less credible. It's a lot less believable. They did that in rapid-fire succession. Russia kept coming up with new ideas, new plans, to create justifications for these for this war that they're going into, false flag attacks and all of this other stuff, and the U.S. kept catching it and releasing it to the world. It was actually very impressive how they handled it. So I simply disagree with Michelle Bachman here when she says the intelligence community is useless. Um, no, no, they did a great job with the recent events in Russia. Fantastic job, in fact. Our intel agencies have had one intelligence lapse and failure after another. Why would we trust that information? Notice one more thing. She doesn't cite any examples. She just unilaterally declares things. Thanks. Oh, oh, and one more thing. She still hasn't gotten around to telling us what the distraction was. What is this distraction? I understand you're telling us that Russia and the war and all that stuff is a distraction from something. What? 
What's it? What are we being distracted from seeing? What is it that you claim Biden doesn't want us to know? And that's why he's so focused on Russia right now. Intelligence lapse and failure after another. Why would we trust that information? So you're asking yourself, why is this such an important thing that we're supposed to pay attention to? And to me, I think one is distraction, that they are trying to get our eyeballs on this so that we aren't paying attention to the main event, which is the rise of global authoritarianism and the stripping away of protected civil liberties. Wow, that's rich. You want to talk about the rise in global authoritarianism and the stripping of civil liberties? Look no further than Russia. How many people have been arrested for protesting now? How many people? London, March 6, Reuters. Police detained more than 4,300 people on Sunday. On Sunday! One day at Russia-wide protests against Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine, according to an independent protest monitoring group. A single day, 4,300 people arrested for protesting. Not for rioting, not for anything else. It was because they were out there supporting ending the war. They were trying to end the war. If you want us to actually worry about what's happening with the rise of authoritarianism and the stripping of civil liberties, look no further than Russia. Why are you defending such a monstrous, horrific campaign, a monstrous, horrific government who's doing such terrible things to people right now? Why would you defend something like that? Blows my mind. Next, we're going to talk about member of Congress Wendy Rogers getting criticized for some comments she made at a white nationalist convention recently. Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. So there's this congresswoman named Wendy Rogers, and she's been in the news recently. She got herself in some hot water, a lot of people upset with her. So I wanted to see who she is and why people are upset. She's a congresswoman from Arizona. It's a state congresswoman, not, uh, not a federal one. So take that for what you will. Let's take a look at Wendy Rogers and see what she's all about. This is the first clip I wanted to watch. This is from an actual campaign ad by Wendy Rogers, and it has the MyPillow CEO in it, Mike Lindell, and an advertisement for his pillows, up to 66% off everything. Why would you put a MyPillow advertisement in your campaign ad? That is just the strangest, but I digress. Let's watch the clip and see what her campaign ad, uh, and see what her campaign ad holds for us. If you told me two years ago that uh, Wendy Rogers, you're going to be in the limelight on election integrity issues, election corruption for the nation, please welcome. She's not in the limelight for integrity, uh, for election integrity issues. And what was the other thing? Corruption for the nation. Uh, for corruption? No. That's not why you're in the limelight. You're in the limelight because you are a full-blown QAnon member of Congress. 
That's what the limelight's about. Please welcome Trump-endorsed candidate for the Arizona State Senate, Wendy Rogers. I never would have imagined it. Hello, Arizona! Here we are at this precarious point where we've collected all this data to arguably show widespread corruption. I love how she stuck the word arguably in there. No. We've collected a lot of data on the election, the 2020 election. I can't believe we're even still talking about this. There was no systemic fraud, period. There was no systemic fraud. There were one or two examples of the odd person here or there casting a ballot for their mom or their wife or something like that against their will or after they had died. Those people have been found out and charged for their crime. It was not enough to flip an election. That's absolute nonsense what she's saying here. But she says it so confidently that her followers and her voters believe it. Spread corruption. Remember, this is in a campaign ad. This is a this is a campaign ad for Wendy Rogers. Widespread corruption in our voting system. And now this is in the hands of one law enforcement individual, the Arizona Attorney General. I want to see arrests. I want to see perp walks. I want to see everything out in the open. Elections have consequences. Stolen elections have far worse consequences. And now we're on defense all the time as state legislators fighting against the vaccine mandates, fighting against the mask mandates, fighting against medical tyranny. God, they just live in an entirely different world, don't they? fighting against medical tyranny and mask mandates. Like, come on, guys, please. Everything that they say feeds into this culture war narrative, this nonsense. Please come back to reality with the rest of us. This is a long, protracted battle. And as much as the left gets away with changing the narrative, there is what's called the Overton window of political acceptability. And we have to move it inch by inch, day by day, and call out the That's what it's about right there. We have to move the Overton window inch by inch, day by day. Some people may be unfamiliar with the term. Let me explain, because this is important. The Overton window is this concept in politics where um, it's like the window of acceptable public discourse, right? Let's say Joe Biden goes on stage to try to get as many votes as he can. He wants to encourage people and get them interested in his campaign. Is Joe Biden more likely to talk about expanding Medicare or expanding Social Security? Is that more likely to get him votes? Or is he more likely to get votes if he talks about building an array of giant terrestrial telescopes to track these dastardly aliens as they try to, you know, pull innocent people up in their tube to stick probes in them and stuff. Which issue is Joe Biden going to be most likely to get voters if he endorses? Social Security and discussions about expanding it or shrinking it are within the range of the Overton window. Like, people are talking about that. That is acceptable public uh, that is acceptable public discourse. We're interested in that, right? So Wendy Rogers here is talking about putting an effort into changing the Overton window. The moderates 
in the parties and the movements, they orient themselves around the radicals. Joe Biden isn't talking about alien abductions because there isn't a significant grouping of people on the left that are deeply worried about being abducted by aliens. Joe Biden has oriented himself around the left, uh, the progressive left. So it's a matter of how far in this direction have I gone? He measures himself based on where everybody else is in the party. So the radicals have defined where Joe Biden sits, or Joe Biden defines himself based on where the radicals sit, right? Ten years ago, before Donald Trump, a lot of Republicans oriented themselves around Ronald Reagan. It was all based on how willing you were to completely invest yourself in trickle-down economics. How willing were you to completely eliminate taxes? There's a uh, governor in Kansas named Sam Brownback who, from my understanding, actually completely eliminated taxes or tried to completely eliminate taxes in his state of Kansas because he really deeply believed in trickle-down economics. It completely tanked the Kansas economy, of course. But he put himself on the far end of the Overton window of acceptable political discourse in the Republican Party. That's how it played out. Everybody used to orient around that, around Reaganism, around trickle-down economics and stuff. Since Trump won the election, they no longer do that. Since Trump won, the radicals are now QAnoners. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Paul Gosar. They're, Q they're members of QAnon now. The Republican Party has reoriented around QAnon, and the radicals now define what the moderates believe, basically. The moderates now measure themselves based on how far along the QAnon line they are. So Wendy Rogers, what she's saying here, she's exactly right. She knows what she's doing. She's trying to reorient the party to focus more on QAnon and push more people on the Republican side toward that belief system. ...window of political acceptability. And we have to move it inch by inch, day by day, and call out the fraud. Let's go, Brandon! Call out the communist influence that is infiltrating this country. There is no communist influence infiltrating the country. And if ever there was a time for us to coalesce together, and experience a revival across this country. It is now. We have to wake up and take charge. We are the plan. It's interesting that she says we are the plan there at the end. Um, that is a direct call out to QAnon. QAnon has this thing called the plan. They believe that Donald Trump has a plan to set things in motion to save the world from the evil elites. Michael Flynn has heavily invested himself in the QAnon movement, and he came out a while back, I think last year, and said, there is no plan, you are the plan. And now that's exactly what Wendy Rogers, I think a uh, member of Congress from Arizona, is trying to push on people. You are the plan, you have to make this happen. That is disturbing on so many levels. Not long ago, I think like, what, a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, 
she went to something called AFPAC. If you're unfamiliar, it stands for America First Political Action Conference. It's kind of a competitor to CPAC, which is Conservative Political Action Conference, I believe. I guess you could say AFPAC is the more white nationalist extremist conference. It is disturbing on so many levels, some of the stuff they say there. And I could be wrong. I think it's run, AFPAC. I believe it's run by a guy named Nick Fuentes, okay? And we'll get into Nick Fuentes in a minute. As I said, AFPAC is a full-blown white nationalist, borderline neo-Nazi event, okay? And who shows up to AFPAC? No other than Marjorie Taylor Greene and shakes Nick Fuentes's hand on her way up. Late February 2022 is when this conference happened. My name is Marjorie Taylor Greene. I am the daughter of the King, the one true living God, the Alpha, the Omega, our Father in heaven, and I am a forgiven sinner washed in the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, this is getting weird. Whose blood are you bathing in? This is so disturbing and creepy, and she says it with a strange smile on her face. I'm sorry, I can't get past this. What are they cheering? I can't understand. Christ is king. I think they're saying Christ is king. Okay. Praise God. Amen. Christ is king. Oh my God, dude. Okay, so that's AFPAC. Um, as I said, Marjorie Taylor Greene went to that. Wendy Rogers, interestingly enough, also went to AFPAC. So let's watch Wendy Rogers' little speech at AFPAC. Check this one out. I truly respect Nick because he's the most persecuted man in America. He's been deplatformed everywhere, debanked, put on no-fly lists, and attacked for simply saying things the media and the far left don't like. He had to create his own platform just to be able to speak. Wow, okay. Uh, obviously, this guy must be terribly persecuted, right? Who is this Nick Fuentes fella? And what was that she said at the end? He had to create his own platform just to be able to speak. Really? He had to create his own platform? How about that? I thought that's something everybody had to do. You think you're entitled to other people's platforms? You know, just because there's a platform out there, you should be allowed to use it no matter what? That is really the peak of entitlement, isn't it? They are obsessed with themselves, seemingly. Okay, so who is this Nick Fuentes fella? This is the guy on screen right here. He's got some real disturbing views. I don't have time to get into all of them, but let's just see how he interacts with the crowd for the moment. That's what we call the secret ingredient. America and the world has forgotten about them, but not us. Young white males. America and the world has forgotten about young white males. The most persecuted group in America, according to Nick Fuentes. You know, they say about America, they say, diversity is our strength, you know. And I look at China, and I look at... Russia. Who Can we give a round of applause for Russia? This country 
just invaded a sovereign nation. An untold amount of pain and suffering taking place right now. Like, right now. And he is applauding the pain and suffering. It does not get more grotesque than this. Russia. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Literally cheering for a bloodthirsty dictator who has gotten people killed. That's grotesque. That is who Nick Fuentes is. You know, but I take a look around the world. I look at Russia. I look at China. You know, China, they're editing their babies to be smarter, stronger, faster. That nonsense. That, that is not happening. Um, I've read articles about this recently. Um, that's, just, that's just BS. There, ha there was one case a while back of somebody who tried to do that, a doctor who tried to do that, and gotten all kinds of trouble for it from the Chinese government. That is not allowed over there. It's not allowed worldwide, as far as I know. Editing their babies to be smarter, stronger, faster. Russia, they're invading countries. They took out the whole Ukrainian... Why is this something that you're cheering about? Why are you happy about this? This is so incredibly wrong. But, but, I rest easy at night knowing that America has diversity. <laughs> Absolutely grotesque. I just wanted to make sure that we all know exactly who Nick Fuentes is. Just go search for him on Twitter if you're curious. There's some real bad stuff about some of the things he's said. It's just absolutely horrific and wrong, honestly. Let's get back to Wendy Rogers' speech. I just want to give you an idea of who this Nick Fuentes is, this Nick Fuentes guy that she's endorsing and saying he's the most persecuted man in America. Uh, just want to give you some context for that. Let's keep listening. Our country is forcibly vaccinating people. No, that never happened. Uh, there was a vaccine mandate for a time where you either had to get vaccinated or you could be tested weekly, optionally, if you chose that route. If you didn't want to be vaccinated, there was a way out. You did not have to be. With a bioweapon that gives people heart attacks. I just want to put on record this is nonsense. It is not true. It has not been proven. Uh, it, she's just completely full of it here. Blood clots and immune deficiency, it's criminal. If the things that she was saying were true, then maybe, maybe it would be criminal, but it's simply not. She's just making things up right off the top of her head. Criminal! At this historic point, it will take all of us to speak out and defend each other for standing up for what is right. When we do take back our God-given rights, we will bring these criminals to justice. I've said we need to build more gallows. You catch that? More gallows. That is the logical end to this belief system. That's the conclusion here. That's the solution that these people on the far end of the Overton window believe in. When you get wound up enough, when you get 
upset enough by what's happening, even if it's completely fabricated, which in her case it is completely fabricated, that is the only solution that you can see. And that is the right wing of American politics right now. If we try some of these high-level criminals, convict them, and use a newly built set of gallows, it'll make an example of these Member of Congress, member of Congress, going up here and saying this stuff. I mean, if that's not like an endorsement of violent action, I don't know what is, honestly. It, it is so incredibly concerning to hear a member of Congress say this stuff. How they deplatform and debank people like Nick Fuentes and even President Trump. This is like the USSR, but worse. I love it. They make direct reference to the USSR at a conference where they were actually cheering for Putin, cheering for Russia. They're talking about how awful the USSR is while simultaneously cheering for Putin. It boggles the mind. There is no connection to reality for these people. Really, the only thing they believe in is hurting their enemy, hurting the other, and nothing else. Their only interest is owning the libs at any cost. They don't need logic. They don't need cohesion in their belief system. They don't need any of it. All they need is to focus in on who their enemy is, believe that they are the ultimate evil, and find any way to defeat them. Any way. This is a problem. We need to get people like this out of Congress. Now, this woman here, specifically Wendy Rogers, she's an Arizona state representative. But we shouldn't have people like this in government at all. Really, we have got to vote these people out. It's a problem. Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.